Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Juad here as always. Welcome back to me. Thank you very much uh, for your patience as well. If you you missed me over the USGP weekend, well, as you would have known, I was on holiday, and part of my holiday included not watching F1 for a weekend, which, you know, was voluntary. I mean, I could have easily done it, but hey, you know, when you're, when you're on a once-in-a-lifetime sort of trip, hopefully it's not once-in-a-lifetime, but, you know, when you when you're out there and having... Lots of fun in nature and meeting new friends and you know, getting to know um, new friends. Then, yeah, you know what else are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna do those social activities and and whatnot and getting engaged as well. Yes, it's finally happened. Boys engaged here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that kind of takes precedence over F1, so, so, sorry not sorry. Anyway, let's talk Mexico City Grand Prix, because that was on over the weekend. Max rewriting the history books again, breaking his own records. Checo creating headlines again for not the wrong, for all the wrong reasons, and so much to unpick from that, uh, and all the other bits and pieces from the race there in Mexico City. Got supercars too with the Gold Coast 500 on over the weekend. Not the Gold Coast 600 as I loved it back in the day when it was an endurance event and having a three race enduro cup. I would like to see that as you know um, come back at some point in the future. But yeah, got that. And then this weekend, Brazil, uh, Brazil GP as well, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. So F1 really getting into it. And it's only three events to go now as well. You know, thinking that um, earlier in the season when, you know, looking at a massive 22-23 race calendar, I was like, oh no, how are we going to get through it? And my sympathy, of course, first and foremost to all the teams and crews and media who, who travel al- along for the circus for pretty much every race. It, it must be exhausting and that's something that I guess... Uh, the the powers that be don't really have much thought for at the moment because they're rolling on and next year we're going to hopefully have um, 24 races if if none drop off like they did this year as as was the case in China unfortunately and and also with the flooding um, earlier in the year cancelling the Emilia Romagna race at Imola so we will see how that goes next year but anyway we're in the present no time like the present talking about mexico city and max eclipsing his own record of 15 wins being the most wins in a single season uh with his 16th win and that could easily end up 19 by the end of the year and you know we've said also or i've said also on this show that i fully think that he will end the season with more wins than sebastian vettel which would put him uh, third on the all-time leaderboard in terms of race wins in a career and you know ahead or behind only Michael Schumacher and um, Lewis Hamilton so he's he's getting there and he's still you know a fraction of the age that that um, Hamilton's in at the moment and you know the age Schumacher was as well by the time he retired so where's the where's the ceiling for Max who knows um, but yeah, it was a it was a commanding race, commanding performance again. He didn't even start a P one. He was third, qualifying after the Ferraris 
uh, were fastest, and they weren't fastest at all, or indicated that they had the pace all weekend, yet in qualifying, they came out and scored front row, with Charles Leclerc on pole, Carlos Sainz second, and Leclerc, with such a unenviable record of having, what, 20 pole positions in his career, and only five race wins. I mean, you know, jokes aside, that people like Sergio Perez have got more wins than he does. Um, it's it's a damning indictment of, you know, I guess Leclerc as a driver, how he puts it all out in qualifying but doesn't quite have the, the race uh, pace and awareness uh, down pat, but also Ferrari who just don't have a great race car at the moment. They can go well over one lap, but as we know in a race stint, they are pretty poorly. But it was Checo... Uh, who created the headlines after the, or during the race, I should say, um, perhaps all weekend, really, for poor Sergio Perez. And I'm going to put it out there, and I think I have said this before, maybe not as explicitly, but I have a lot of sympathy for the guy at the moment. You know, considering he was, in my eyes, gaslit into title contention earlier in the year, the poor guy looks absolutely broken now, and after what happened this weekend, or last weekend I should say, um, getting out qualified by Daniel Ricciardo in an Alpha Tauri, so let's not take away Ricciardo's performance, um, and I'll talk a bit about that later, but in the fastest car on the grid, arguably one of the most dominant cars, and you know, you can also make an argument that how amazing is Max, because he's taken this car that is already pretty good but taking it to a new a new sort of extreme with the way he's uh, racked up all the wins and points this season um to be in such a car and you know and to be fair he was closer to max than he has been in recent races uh max was third checo fifth but then having that alpha towery which is one of the worst cars of the field this year in between them in fourth that was kind of you know eye raising for most and then in the race uh what does he do he goes and crashes at the first corner he was uh he had a good start he was trying to come around the outside of Leclerc and Max made an awesome start too and was down the inside ready to take the lead uh Perez makes contact with Leclerc and the Red Bull goes airborne and that was it out at the first corner and some of the antics I guess from the crowd as well deplorable absolutely deplorable I've got to give a shout out to Tom Downey um good mate and host of Grid Talk uh one of the many hosts of Grid Talk nailed it in the race review talking about how deplorable the booing of Leclerc was on the podium spoiler alert Leclerc finished on the podium but it wasn't Leclerc's fault. At the end of the day, it was deemed a racing incident. But if you did want to proportion blame, you would put the put the blame in Checo's favour for, um, you know, I guess the argument is, oh, he was going for a gap, as all racing drivers do. He was doing an Ant and Senna. Um, but he didn't have to hang it all out on the open first lap, you know. And his rationale was a bit... A bit interesting, you know, and it's it's people have remarked, and I sort of formed the opinion too, that 
the rationale of, you know, I finished second for the last two years in a row. I wanted to go for it this year. Sounds like the rationale of someone who knows that perhaps their opportunities are coming to an end to go for a result or go for a win at your home race. Could this have potentially been it? You know, no mask Checo at, at Red Bull. That's all the questions that have come out of this. That you know, why would a driver who you know you're 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 not some midfield hero looking to get a result? And yes, you know the way the race panned out probably wouldn't have um, gone in his favour anyway. But why? You know, why take such a pointless risk? And I guess you know Christian Horner as well, the Red Bull team principal, said that you know he he would have. He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, or you know he would have, he would have been silly not to kind of thing. But then when the result is this, then it's hard not to then feel well. He is damned if he does or damned if he doesn't because it's just he's gone out of fashion. And this is where my sympathy is that all this gaslighting and talk of him being in championship contention early in the year. And then just not being able to adapt with the car and, and the upgrades and how it's gone to Max's favour. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it would be a sad way for him to end his career if this was the end at the end of this season. And there's all sorts of rumours going on about a certain Spaniard potentially coming over. I'm not going to believe it until I see it, but... You'd think that Ricardo, after his performance over the weekend, fourth in qualifying and then finishing seventh in the race, I think it was, to get the points um, needed to lift AlphaTauri off the bottom of the Constructors' Championship and to eighth now. And, you know, they're tied with Alfa Romeo, but on count back, AlphaTauri uh, Alpha would stay ahead. Uh, it's a result that's, you know, worth $20 million, I think. Um, in, in prize money, so, you know, that might just be seen by Red Bull as, as you know, Richie Boy, Ricky Boy is back, yeah, um, let's put him back in the car, but that's a, <laughs> that is a whole topic of discussion for another time where I'll go into that, but for what, what it was, the individual performance that we saw from Dan, really pleased, and, you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong, I'm happy to be proven wrong that, you know, he's, he was what I said in previous shows and particularly after last year with McLaren that he's he's passed it maybe being in this sort of environment at Red Bull he might be better off but then again you know if he gets put back in the Red Bull next year he's next to Max I mean that's going to be a whole nother situation probably not as tasty as what it would be like if Fernando Alonso was in there you know that would be that would be chaos for those who chaotic people who love chaos that would be the team you want to support next year. So, yeah, it's it's so so frustrating, you know, and and annoying for Checo or fans of Checo or people watching. And sorry, I did get sidetracked because I was talking about the crowd booing at Leclerc. It wasn't Leclerc's fault, so I don't know why they would do that. But also the the punch-on that occurred in the grandstand opposite the podium too. That was horrific, seeing seeing um, pictures of that. So, yeah, no no more words on that. It's, it's you know, just everything is pretty, feels pretty, makes you feel pretty flat. Um, big yawn. 
we're not editing that out. <laughs> uh, I got distracted too. Sorry, my mind is um, everywhere at the moment. But yeah, Ricardo P7, great result for him individually and also for Alpha Tauri as well to get him off the bottom of the Constructors' Championship. And he almost had Russell for sixth as well at the end of the race. So how's that, that, you know, Alpha Tauri almost passed a Mercedes? Anyway, um, going back to the start though, uh, Ferraris, they got sliced through by Max and put up basically no defence. Uh, and then after the first lap incident and the safety car that was brought out for that, there was no movement really, the race sort of settled into the rhythm as it does in the opening stint, looking after tyres and no overtaking, not that overtaking is easy around this track because of the high altitude and whatnot. You had an out of position Lando Norris starting on an alternative strategy, soft tyres and targeting a points finish and as a commentator said on the day, it was like he was a man, he was a driving, he was driving like a man possessed. Gee, words right now, seriously. <laughs> uh, Max came in on lap 20, pitted for the hard tyres. Hamilton in on lap 25, who was a podium contender, and he wanted to undercut the Ferraris. He ended up doing that to Sainz, uh, though Ferrari doing Ferrari things. Leclerc with the front wing damage, still ahead of Sainz in that opening stint, and they didn't actually repair that front wing until the red flag later on in the race, but... Seriously, like, when you have a pace deficit with broken components in the car and, like, they waited for the little thing to, the, the end plate to basically fly off, which, again, I don't know how that's not a black and orange flag or whatever, um, meatball flag as, as people like to refer to it as, uh, why didn't they try and get signs ahead? Because it may have benefited them in some way to have the faster car ahead. So, you know, at the end of the day, they you know, did have one car in the podium, but perhaps could have finished closer to Max if they didn't, or actually gone for second, because in the end, Hamilton ended up finishing second. Anyway, Ferrari doing Ferrari things, eh? We had a red flag out on lap 35, as I said earlier, and that was for Kevin Magnussen crashing at turn nine. It looked like it was a suspension failure, and um, hey, he had an off-track excursion on the previous lap. I can't remember who it is that he was uh, in battling with. Words. See, I can't even. I can't even come up with words this evening. Um, yeah, can't remember who he was battling with, but he did have a little off-track excursion, and that may have damaged the suspension for it to fail. Um, he was okay, thankfully, but they did have to spend some time repairing the barriers. It basically gave a free pit stop to everyone, and Leclerc finally fixed that front wing, um, as well as going on to the hard tyres, which his teammate did also. Hamilton was on the medium, which benefited him in passing. Leclerc on lap 40 when the race restarted, while Max basically went off into the distance, did his own thing. Um, you had Norris who had a slow getaway on the standing restart and dropped to 14th, but a stellar final stint on the medium tyre did bring him back to finish P5, uh, whilst his teammate Oscar Piastri, unfortunately his only highlight of the race despite scoring points in 8th, uh, was battling Yuki Tsunoda where they made contact not once but twice and then the second time at turn 1, there was a spin for Sonoda, and I think he was 
oh, there was no penalty handed down, but Sonoda did finish outside the points in 12. So I think maybe the stewards thought that the the result there was a sufficient penalty for him in that instance. But yeah, that was Piastri and McLaren again scoring more points while Aston Martin double DNF for them as they become a shadow of their former selves from earlier in the year and I don't know where to really go into there now and if there's rumours floating around about Alonso quitting Aston Martin I mean that would just be the most Alonso thing to do like going from start of the year where they were he was praising this is the best team he's ever worked with and you know he sees himself winning championships and all the rest at, uh, um, with them and saying how Stroll or Lance Stroll has the capability of being world champion as well someday in F1 to well it's been nice knowing you I'm packing my bags and leaving <laughs> such an Alonso thing to do if it if it is to be believed of course I mean don't don't believe what I'm saying I don't certainly believe the rumors yet either but it's just it's pretty horrific where they are um it's it's been a total capitulation to the point where it feels like every upgrade they've done is basically a downgrade for the car and you know it's it's it sounds funny saying that in my mind but it's probably not funny for all the people involved with the aston martin project um but yeah stroll i think his only highlight before they retired the car was uh getting yelled at by logan Sargent for weaving or moving under braking which we know that stroll when it comes to racing standards has none um as you know you think back to uh texas last year brazil where we're going to where um i think with his teammate at the time seb vettel he tried taking him off there who knows anyway we'll go back to the points finishes alban recovering alex alban he was top three in every practice session and then ended up out in q2 because he got his lap time deleted for track limits and um you know he made a good recovery in the race to p9 and then of course ocon for alpine in 10th and gotta gotta have another laugh at alpine you know not that you know i don't have a giggle enough at their expense as it is <clears throat> but why is there celebrity investors getting behind this team that, you know, don't seem to be going anywhere? I guess, you know, it's the it's Ryan Reynolds thing's kind of brought his pals in and now, you know, the likes of Anthony Joshua, R Rory McElroy, some other golfers have got behind and wanted to invest in Alpine. I mean, hopefully it does something for them. If not, then, you know, you can file it in the Rolodex of um, rubbish investments. I don't know. Do people still use Rolodexes? Who knows? I am in one of those moods today, hey? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's situation. That's the situation with Alpine at the moment. Gasly just outside the points. Uh, and even though I haven't reviewed or will not be reviewing the US Grand Prix because I didn't watch it and all that, um, I will make a shout out to Logan Sargent who did score his first F1 points at his home race or one of his home races I guess you could say because his actual home race is Miami because he's from Florida but you know good on him and he did benefit from the disqualifications to Hamilton and Leclerc for their uh, planks not being right um, but uh, points are points and Sargent is off the off the bottom 
there. So the only driver who's not scored points this season is Nick DeVries, and nor will he be, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg as well. He was running in the points after the safety car restart, but was denied and costly for Haas because they're the team that have now fallen to the back of the Constructors' Championship as well. So, you know... Hard to hard to say with Haas because, you know, even though they have brought some upgrades, they still haven't really fixed this fundamental problem that has plagued their car for beyond, you know, this current era of regulations. It's still tyres that they can't seem to get their heads around and it's really frustrating at the moment because, you know, Haas is a team that everyone, I'm sure, wants to do well and, you know, this, this new sort of business model that they came into F1 for, but it doesn't seem like they're getting anywhere near the front and more closer to the back, or, well, they are at the back now, so there you go. Um, and, yeah, just to wrap up with the Mexico City Grand Prix, I've got another bone to pick with the FIA over the no further actions that we saw after qualifying. Now, first of all, and this was this was prevalent in the in the qualifying chat um, on the grid talk, which I was on over the weekend um, about decisions being deferred to after the session. So you know, invest things will be investigated after the session or after the race. Like they've got all the technology, they've got the remote bunker and everything to be able to make a decision on the spot like you see in other sports and won't go into the rugby world cup because you know i'm still devastated for the all blacks and i'm not gonna bag on the referee that's not what i do but the fact that yeah they can't make a decision quick enough is like come on this is meant to be one of the most technologically advanced sports in the world and pioneering technology and whatnot surely you can you know make those decisions based off i guess the the incident in particular that irked me was the queuing at the end of pit lane or just sitting there at the end of pit lane in everyone's way once the light has gone green and now Verstappen got away with it in in Singapore and the stewards after they had said no further action did come back and say well in hindsight you know uh, we probably made the wrong wrong call there and then with that in mind they do the same thing here. You had not only Verstappen, but Russell sitting at the end of the pit lane as well. And it's just like, come on. And then the whole thing about enforcing the maximum lap delta or minimum lap delta to prevent this whole nonsense of queuing or looking for a toe in qualifying where everyone's, you know, backed up behind each other as well. It, it There's no consequences. I feel like there's not enough consequences to deter drivers and whatnot from from doing this sort of stuff so that's where my bone is to to pick in that respect but yeah like i really hope that in the future they can have some kind of consequences that are going to deter drivers like track limits for example you know it was a big deal until the um current roster of stewards i guess uh, or, you know, the current race director decided to be like, you're over the white line, that's it, you're done. And the stewarding on that has remained pretty consistent, you've got to say, since. So there's no Fifty Shades of Grey or areas of interpretation um, that, you know, it'll only be enforced at this particular corner or on 
on this particular track you know at, at specific areas it's it's a blanket rule um it's a blanket rule it applies to to every track to every corner every white line get over it move on so you know i wish they had that approach to to other things too because sometimes having things that are too open to interpretation um does lead to this inconsistency which is not the greatest and makes people like me get frustrated and other people who aren't me um say some nasty things to to stewards and race directors and anyone who's in that officiating position that's not quite right constructive criticism is great but don't go mouthing off and you know giving threats and death threats and things like that to to them because that's not acceptable at all all right and breathe talk about um <clears throat> clear my throat talk about supercars now then gold coast 500 like i said not the enduro race but a pair of 250k races which you know both of them went down to last lap showdowns which was excellent we had cam waters in the first race yes you heard it right cam waters of um tickford and and driving a ford mustang held off svg by 0.194 seconds on the final lap to win and it's cam's second win of the season including the technical win or not on track win that he got in newcastle um and he started on pole position too via top 10 shootout so well done to cam it was an exciting race and he had the pace and then in the second race race 26 of the weekend david reynolds outlasting Brody kostecki and also i didn't realize this but it's been five years since reynolds actually won a race so congratulations uh reynolds davy um yeah because it was 2018 last time he won in supercars so you know for to win one with the Grove team as well, of course, he's leaving Grove at the end of this year, off to Charlie Schwerfeld's Team 18, um, and to give Grove their first win as a team on their own, they did win a race as Kelly Grove Racing back in 2021 with Andre Heimgartner, but for them to win as Grove Racing, quite special, and great for, for Reynolds to, to deliver that for them, um, but an important weekend for both of our title contenders because really you can say well you could have said after Bathurst that um and then there were two because uh Brody uh, not Brody but Brock Feeney had a difficult weekend as we know or a difficult end to Bathurst and that effectively took him out of championship contention and same with Will Brown and Brown really not really rebounding he did have back surgery after Bathurst though but you know I think his mind will be on you know seeing out the year with with Erebus and making sure they win the team's championship which is up for grabs too at the final round um in Adelaide so you know and I guess helping his teammate win the championship this year you know he is it, it is interesting that brown is going over to the team that um is battling his team currently in uh erebus and triple eight uh next year so who knows if he wants to start early working for triple eight he might end up helping svg to the title but i'm sure he'd help his old mate Brody they've been together for a while so yeah key results though with between SVG and Brody um so he scored P2 and P5 did SVG in that order whilst Kostecki 
mirrored that result, complete op did a mirror flip, he scored P5 and P2, so that keeps that 131 point gap going to Adelaide, and Adelaide, as we know, is like the Gold Coast, the format will be the same as the Gold Coast as well, with the um, two top 10 shootouts and two 250k races as well, it'll be hot, it'll be gruelling, if anything last year is anything to go by, as I can attest to, I'm sure I've still got some kind of tan line or permanent skin damage from that race weekend last year, but boy was it a magical one with the 1-2 for Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, and then Brock Feeney taking his first ever win in supercars in, in Holden's last race as well in, in as a manufacturer or as or the Commodore's last race um, in supercars. So yeah, that was quite magical. But yeah, going to Adelaide with as going to Adelaide with a title showdown on our hands. And you know, how often have you been able to say that for the last thirty years or longer? You know, because for those old enough who have memories of watching title showdowns in Adelaide in F1, of course, the Schumacher and um, Schumacher and Damon Hill one uh, was, was the last one there. Uh, Mansell, of course, Prost, all those names up there who've, who've won titles in Adelaide. So, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of got that vibe about it, which is great. But, um, yeah, that were, they were the two winners from the Gold Coast, uh, the Reynolds one, it was quite interesting because there was a change of lead with 14 laps to go, and that was because Kostecki at turn four got himself passed and then uh, was ahead by the time they got to the beach chicane, but then ran it wide a couple of laps later at turn 11, which put um, Reynolds back into the lead, and then four laps from the end of the race, sorry, not four laps from before the end of the race, but there was a safety car that came out um, for an incident involving James Golding and Scott Pye. Golding had kind of found himself stuck in the middle of the track and then did a spin flick, or did like a burnout thing, J-turn, whatever you want to say, ended up tagging Scott Pye, which took Pye out of the race, and there was no uh, steward's action on that as well, which irked Scott Pye, um, if you want to look at that on social media, uh, and yeah, we had a four-lap dash, four dash to the end, and at the end of the day, it was a um, Ford double for the weekend, which first time this year that's happened, and look, I could go on about the parody stuff, and there was a change for this weekend and everything, but the season's good as good as done, you know, and there's all this stuff coming um coming out about the the cost of all these changes and whatnot, and it's just like, well, if they did it right in the first place, you know, yes, it still would have cost a lot, a lot, but not as much as what they've ended up paying, and I hope that, I hope that going into the new year and with all the testing they're going to do in December and in the rest of the off season that they get it right for next year because I don't want to see this again. But that's all I'm going to say on it. Don't want to go into it too much more because I have rambled on about parity and, and how that, that system is broken. But um, I'm going to be hopeful that next year they'll get it right. So we had some silly season news as well with Chas Mostert signing on. New multi-year deal to keep him at Walkinshaw and Jody United. So well done. It's It's been such a good fit. And yeah, it would just be nice to see Chazzy 
in with a shout of a championship in the future too because yeah he's, he's a race winner he's a two-time Bathurst winner as well um, and it would be nice to see him win, win a championship if he can as well when with the Walkinshaw team as they are now in the Ford camp so yeah not not hasn't hasn't been the greatest of seasons this year but hopefully they'll um, benefit with some updates and you know if they change the um, if they can get the parity thing right then yeah hopefully next year we'll see him in with a shout and what's this of a Bathurst Superfest well it's all come about because Newcastle there was some trouble with the council and all that and I think I went over it on the last show saying that um, you know that's good as done but now Supercars has confirmed that they will be twinning the Bathurst 12 hour with the Supercars not on the same weekend it'll be on back-to-back weekends with the 12 hour coming first and basically it'll be a 10-day motorsport mega festival bonanza type situation and like uh, I don't know like and um, I'm a motorsport fan I should be looking forward to this I talk about supercars as you know on this on this show but I'm also a big fan of the Bathurst 12 hour you know I, I love the event for what it is I love how it's standalone from supercars even though it is owned by supercars and you see supercars drivers participating in it but I just don't want any of the politics around supercars to come into the the 12-hour. I don't want the the same sort of ticket prices and, um, you know, crowd as well sometimes. The 12-hour is great because it's such a mellow event and it's what, you know, the kind of motorsport that's it's nice to have once in a while. Like F1 these days, uh, you know, anyone who's looked at crowd figures... Um, for the Australian Grand Prix in particular, will know that it's 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 crazy. And if anyone who's listening who's been to the Australian Grand Prix for the last two years will know that you, you can barely move around in the um, spectator areas now or, you know, the concession areas. It's it's so busy and getting in and out of the track is, is difficult. So having an event like the 12-hour where it's, you know, well before or just before all the mainstream motorsports kick off, you have a smaller crowd, a more mellow crowd, and you get better access as well. That's the kind of thing I like. Take your camp chair, just sit where you want, you know, sit underneath the skyline, watch the sunrise, you know. God, it sounds like I need to go into retirement already, but, you know, not yet. <laughs> um, so that's the only reason I, you know, I think they're two different events and it would be sad to see, you know, one kind of bleed into the other or, you know, supercars bleed into the 12 hour and take away some of the, the good things about the 12 hour that I like. But hey, if it all goes all right, well, who knows? It, it, it might be all right. I, I if, if I am to go to the 12 hour next year, I will just stay for the 12 hour because, you know, good luck trying to find accommodation for an extra weekend, especially when the V8s are on. So, um, yeah, don't really want to want to give that a go. And then plus, I've used up all my annual leave anyway on on this trip that I've been on to New Zealand. So, you know, I'd rather save for another holiday like that. So, yeah. Um, but that I think wraps it up. Short and sweet. Lots of rambling. Lots of me making no sense. But what's new? 
Um, thanks anyway for tuning in this week. Um, be sure to check out the Grid Talk podcast as well. I've got their link in my link tree. Um, should be guesting on there again this weekend for the Sao Paulo uh, Grand Prix. So please do go give them a check out and, and subscribe to all their socials. Um, you've got my uh, X handle as well uh, at Hit the Apex Podcast. Sorry, at Hit the Apex Media. Can't even remember my own social handles now great um and yeah you can find anything associated with this show through the link tree or on that um uh x account anyway thanks for tuning in enjoy the sao paulo grand prix this weekend and i will be back next week to wrap it up bye for now